Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. Sponsored by Journey 333. That is a place of mind, body, spirit that helps you with fitness, coaching, and nutrition to look better, live better, and feel better. We produce these episodes every week for your enjoyment to help people to overcome adversity and live their dreams. Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. Now that's a lot of three. So that's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. That's mind, body, spirit, where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our friend, Greg Justice. He is a fellow masterminder. He's written uh, somewhere between 30 to 35 books. He has his own publishing company called Scripter Publishing. So for all you aspiring authors out there, be sure to tune in. Uh, Greg has had an awesome journey in the fitness industry. He's been in the fitness industry for over 40 years. He's overcome a lot of uh, counterthinking, uh, especially in his early years, you know, something that was not very uh, productive for somebody that was trying to be in the fitness industry, you know. So I can't wait for Greg to share. And without further ado, Greg, welcome to the show. Travis and Cindy, it is a pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here uh, talking about my journey with you too. Uh, thank you. Oh, thank thank you, you so much. You know, Greg, I've always admired you uh, since we first entered the mastermind together and just getting to hear about your history and fitness. And uh, I've looked up to you as a friend and a mentor. And in fact, you've been a mentor for me writing books and in other ways as well. But if you could maybe kind of take us back to when you first started AYC Fitness, uh, yes. and, you know, way back when, and uh, just some of the challenges that you faced in starting your fitness business. Well, thank yeah, thanks first of all for that that wonderful introduction that you gave. I appreciate that. Uh, I've been part of the fitness industry for over forty years now, and uh, going back in time, my first job in the industry, and I know you. Uh, had some interesting early jobs uh, at Gold's Gym, and, and I, you know, you and I have had those discussions of the early days of Gold's Gym and and uh, all the wonderful things that kind of was crazy time. But um, in the '70s, uh, I started working in gymnastics clubs and fitness centers. And my first job out of college, between my undergraduate and my master's degree, uh, was a job as a manager of a club here in Kansas City. Um, and I thought I had my dream job. And it was in the early 1980s when uh, this, this really cool wave of fitness was coming in. Uh, you know, I mean, back in the day, it was jogging and tennis was about, you know, all they did. And then the hard weightlifters uh, back in the day. But um, fitness was really starting to take off in the early 1980s. And I started to kind of ride, ride that wave got my first job as a club manager, worked my way up to club manager, thought I had my dream job. And about two weeks before Christmas in 1985, uh, the uh, owner of the gym told me that he was considering selling the business. And I didn't think too much of it at the time. But the next week, as I came into work, there was someone in my office. And it was the new owner. I had not met the new owner yet. But it's like, you know, I'm the only one in there. And all of a sudden, how'd you get in my office? And we proceeded to talk for a little bit. And he said that he was going to bring in his own team and was going to let all the management staff go. And, you know, here I was, a young kid had just been married six months, 
thought I had my dream job. And all of a sudden, two weeks before, before Christmas, was out of a job. Oh, wow. wow. And I can just remember the dread and the fear of having it back at, <laughs> at the time. We just had one car, a uh, little 1985 Ford Escort. And I can remember driving to pick up my wife at work. She worked at a publishing company and uh, picking her up. And the dread that I had in my, from the top of my head to the bottom of my toe, having to tell her that I had just lost my job and you know, didn't know what to do. And the uh, coolest thing, overcomers. This, is, this is real good, real good. I said, tune in overcomers. I, I <laughs> well, this, yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, I, you know, I was 24 years old. I mean, I, like I said, I thought I had my dream job. I, I was just loving my, my work. And then I, I had to tell my wife that I was no longer employed. And again, we're, you know, we, a week or two before Christmas. And the coolest thing, you know, I mean, we had only been married six months and, and I told her this and was just shaken from head to toe. And she just looked at me and she said, that's fine. She said, this is the opportunity that you really needed to go back and complete your graduate work and then come back and do what you've always wanted to do, which is to run your own business. Wow. And I mean, that was, it was like a snap of a finger just that changed my whole thinking about it. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I went home, got a good night's sleep, got up and literally the very next day. Uh, now, I'm going to back up a little bit, too, because I had dropped out of college with one semester to go to complete my graduate work to get married. So I moved away from Kentucky, moved here to Kansas City. I'm in Kansas City and I have been for the last 36, 37 years. But um, and it broke my mother's heart that I dropped out of graduate school with just one semester to go. But that was the time my wife then said after getting fired, she said, go back, finish your graduate work. Then you come back to Kansas City and start your own business, what you've always wanted to do. And how long have you been married now to that awesome lady? Uh, May, uh, see, May, I'm sorry, June 29th, 1985. So how long is that? Yeah. <laughs> 30, what are you going 30. on, 40 years? Getting yeah, yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. It's well, a long time. <laughs> you know, Greg, I never realized, you know, we've been friends a number of years now, probably seven or more years, you know, we've been in the mastermind together. Uh-huh. And um you know, I, I never realized some of those parallel journeys. I, I remember losing my job right around the holidays while yeah. we were living in a FEMA trailer and having a wife that would encourage me to still follow my dreams, yes. despite that was not a very secure thing to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> funny. And, uh, and, you know, so it's who we have in our lives, you know, yes. that's why I said overcomers, you know, tune in, you know, who we have in our lives is just so important. Uh, people that will encourage us to follow our dreams, even when it, uh, looks a little scary. Yes. Uh, you know, she could have encouraged you to just go get the, the nearest job you could find and help bring <laughs> home the bacon, right? Uh, I thought that was really cool. And what was really interesting is that we don't know what a blessing uh, things can be sometimes. Losing your job a couple weeks before Christmas yeah. sounds like an awful thing. And here he was driving in his Ford Escort, driving in his Ford Escort to go pick up his wife from a publishing company that she was working at you know, very nervous and just, you know, devastated. And yet at the same time, nowhere in your mind, did you know that one day you'd have your own publishing company? Yeah. You'd be welcome to work at if she wanted to, right? You know, I mean, totally on. bizarre. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> just how life can unfold and, and, you know, you're going through something right now, but mm-hmm. you're also going to something and, and there is something on the other side of the struggle. Uh, yes. So really cool, really cool. So yeah. to those awesome ladies in our lives, 
No so, question about it. So you go and complete your uh, master's and then- yeah. uh, Well, there, but there's a story between that time that I left because there was like a three week gap between when I got fired and when I was going to report to go back to, 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 to the university, which was, you know, 750 miles away back in Kentucky. Um, and so the next day after, you know, my wife told me this, that's what I needed to do and encouraged me to do it. Um, we couldn't afford for me to go back to college. So I called my graduate um, professor that I worked with previously in a, with a graduate um, assistantship, a GA. And so I called him and I said, I know this is kind of last minute and I know everything's probably all set uh, for next semester, but I thought I'd just give you a call and, and see if there was any position available for a graduate assistantship. And he said, Greg, stop right there. You're not going to believe this. He said, literally yesterday, the same day that I had gotten fired, he said, literally yesterday, my graduate assistant for next semester came to me and resigned for another position at the University of Kentucky. Oh my God. And he wow. said, he said, we don't even need to carry this conversation anymore. He said, just show up. It's the job is yours. That so, is amazing. Well, I mean, the you know, I mean, it just all the, you know, I'm a person of faith. I know you all are too. Yeah. And I don't believe in coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's the word I was so, thinking. so, I mean, that just kind of gave me chills from top to bottom. And even when I think about it, it still does, but he's just like, you know, that paid for my room and board and it paid for my tuition. Oh, Greg, I got to say wow. something right now for all you intellectuals out there listening. Maybe you're not on a spiritual journey. Maybe, you know, you're not sure about your faith. Let's just approach this from an intellectual level. Einstein, pretty smart guy, said coincidence <laughs> is God's way of remaining anonymous. Yes. There you and go. So isn't it amazing how the universe can just open to you and Truly. give you the opportunity that you need in your life? You know, yes. and by the way, that opportunity was not there unless you made the phone call. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point. Yeah, you, you've right. got to act. You've got yeah. to act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, and then there's another interesting little twist to this whole story, because two days later, after I'd accepted the position and I was, you know, packing things up, getting ready to head back east to finish my graduate work, I got a call from the gentleman who had fired me two days previous. And, you know, it's like uh, he called me out of the blue and I was like, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what this call was about. <laughs> and he's like, Greg, I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, so many of the members came to me the day after I let you go and really, you know, advocated for you. He said, I, I want to keep you on as a manager. And then now I had a dilemma. <laughs> Oh, right. What do you do now? You know, yeah, it's like, okay, my dream job. I really thought that was my dream job or going back and completing my education and following that path. And I knew in a split second, I had to make a, a decision one way or the other. One thing I didn't want to do because I'm a big believer in not burning bridges. Mm -hmm. You know, I always believe that bridges are made for crossing, not burning. So oh, yeah. I didn't want to do anything that would hamper or, you know, that could potentially hamper me going forward. So I had to think real quick. And I said, I'll tell you what, I've already made a commitment to go back and complete my graduate degree. It's one semester, five months. I said, I'll come back in May and I'll come and, and I'll work for you. But under one condition, I need to know that you'll let me start my business, a personal training business in your gym. Mm -hmm. And again, this is before personal training was an industry. Wow. Um, uh, 
And I had gotten the idea to do it in Kansas City from a 25 cent book that I bought at a church garage sale. Wow. It was called Body by Jake, Jake Steinfeld. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading this book and just it just blew my mind that this guy in the late 70s and early 80s was making $250 a half hour working with people one-on-one. It's like, who would have thought it? Now, today it's like, you know, it's on every corner. But back then in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, that just was unheard of. So I, I, that planted a seed in my mind. And uh, my wife always thought I wanted to open a gym, but she didn't understand what kind of gym I wanted to open. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so, you know, once I had, had given uh, the idea to, to the, <laughs> the owner who had just fired me two days before, it got real silent. And I'm like, you know, did I blow it with them? Did I say something wrong? You know, but I knew I'd said all I could say, and it just seemed like forever. But it was probably five or 10 seconds. He said, you know what, Greg? That's fair. That's a good idea. I'll take you up on that. That way I can go back to the membership and let them know that you're going to still be part of our team. It's just going to be five months before you get back. So, you know, I think that to be honest with you, that probably accelerated my growth in the personal training industry, because had I burned that bridge, it probably would take me a lot longer to figure out where I could go to start this crazy idea of a personal training business. You know, but right out of the gate, when I came back five months later, it gave me the time to develop a business plan Mm -hmm. to lay it out like a real business, because that's, you know, personal trainers back then were guys that worked at Gold's that were a lot of times big, you know, the meathead bodybuilder kind of guys, but but it was a hobby. It wasn't a business. I knew that I wanted to lay it out from the very beginning, like a real true business. Yeah, you know, and, you that with such patience, right? I think that we, you know, the one thing I deal with with a lot of people younger than myself right now is, you know, they want everything now and, and they yes. don't want to, you know, kind of take like the slower path to it. Like, you know, you could have, instead of leaving that bridge open to cross, <laughs> you could have burnt that bridge, yeah. you know, with a job that was opened up to you like in a magnificent coincidental type yeah. of way. <laughs> you know? And I mean, you know, so I, I think that there's something to be learned from the way that you handled that as well. Um, you know, how can you manage opportunities? How can you uh, handle these opportunities with the kind of patience that will give you the best result? Right. You know, we could all go out on our crash diets and uh, we know where that leads to an endless cycle. But how can we uh, how can we make this a, a, a longer lasting type of thing? You know, so. Yeah. Um, that's a really good lesson. And, you know, you mentioned body by Jake, which I know who that is. And, um, that's really cool. Uh, I was just wondering, you know, right now at those times you were also facing, we had Elaine Lelaine on the show. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, you were, you were in those times, yes. you were in those times where it was like, you know, of course, when Jack Lane started his gym, there wasn't really gyms yet. Um, you know, so, but you're also facing, you know, nobody's really, private training one-on-one, you know, something 25 cents, a 25 cent investment. Wow. You know, it gives you the idea. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, because when I was going to start my business again, five months later, um, my wife thought I was going to start a traditional small boutique gym. Right. Again, personal training as an industry didn't exist. And the funniest thing, um, 
three little anecdotal stories about the overcoming theme of this podcast is when I showed my wife my business plan, she's kind of looking at it incredulously like, wait, this isn't a tradition. I think she used the word, this isn't a real gym. (laughs) (laughs) And she's going through it. And, And the quote, and I've written about it in my one of my very first books called Treadside Manor. She looked at the the business plan and she goes, and people are going to pay you for this. <laughs> and so that's the quote that I've always remembered. And, you know, in, in, in her defense, who would have thought, right? She didn't right. understand it. But I, I had a vision. I mean, I really saw the potential in this. And even though she didn't, you know, I was just like, just trust me on this. Let me show you how this is going to work. And, you know, here we are. 36, 37 years later. And, you know, we've been pretty blessed and pretty fortunate with how it has come to be. She gets it now. She understands. Go ahead. There's not many pioneers, right? You know, there's not many people that are, you know, going to load up the the wagon train and and go to uncharted territory and, and, you know, put their stake in the ground. And and you were one of the pioneers in personal training. Uh, So I think that that's really awesome. Uh, it's, you know, that's true vision, right? To be able to see something that's not really existing yet. Um, I, I felt like when we were sitting in the FEMA trailer, you know, wondering what we're going to do with our lives now that I've been fired and Cindy encouraging me to still uh, do what was in my heart. And I started to write about a type of group training, not where people were lost in the shuffle, but where they were, you know, tracked down when they didn't show up like a fitness emergency, which I'd never heard of before outside of myself, you know, right. you know tracking people down and and most group training doesn't offer all the one-on-one opportunities that we do. And, and so it seemed like a, a little bit uh, difficult to pull off that people could get one-on-one attention in the group. But that was my vision. Right. And that was something that wasn't existing yet. And so I'm just very inspired by the way that you pioneered it. And how long has AYC been in, in business? Well, uh, right when I graduated, May of 1986, I literally started the week that I got back from Kentucky to Kansas City. And one of my business mentors back in the day, my first professional mentor, of course, was Jack LaLanne. And what I saw him overcome, you know, because people, doctors in the, you know, the medical profession thought he was a quack. Mm -hmm. And of course, it turns out, you know, with the book that I'm co-authoring with Elaine, we've got a lot of his writings now from like 100 years ago, right? Right. And you read these things, some of them, some of it has never been published. So we're going to publish a lot of his works that no one has ever seen before. Oh. And, and as I'm reading through this stuff, um, you know, some of it 50, 75 years since it's been written, written. And I'm going through this material and it's like I could publish this today under a pseudonym and they would think it was written just yesterday. It's so still, it's relevant and it's timely. And it's like he saw this, you know, 7,500 years ago. Yeah. Wow. And, and it just like? is fascinating. But so he was my first motivation. And he's the one that really encouraged everybody. In fact, um, one of the stories that I love about him is some of his mentees that he has worked with over the years that I've been fortunate to interview for our book mm-hmm. um, would tell me the thing that most impressed them about Jack and myself as well is when he would tell them, he would tell me, all I want you to do is to pass it on. Whatever you've learned from me, 
pass it on to the next generation. That's awesome. And so that's what Elaine and I are doing with this book, the legacy book of, about Jack is passing on everything that he has taught me and the industry. We're passing it on to the next generation because they deserve to gain that same inspiration that I got from him. Wow, listen and, up, overcomers. That, that's that's yeah. really good stuff. And and I love the idea of paying it forward. One thing that I, I caught from that um, is not just, you know, being a visionary and doing something that very few people are doing at a time, but doing something that is against what the authorities are recommending right. is what you and uh, Jack and, and others uh, were doing at the time. Because let's talk about some of those things that were happening. And then I want to ask you about some of the people you've had a chance to interview as well sure. for this book. But uh, let's talk about some of those uh, misconceptions that were going on back then. Uh, you know, women shouldn't lift weights. Right. Um, heck, men shouldn't lift weights, right? Yep. I, I mean, yep. unless they just wanted to be like a big muscular guy yeah. that couldn't move or whatever. Um, there were just so many things you had to overcome, like doctors recommending against it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't it back in, in that time that if you were an athlete, your coach, like you, some of the athletes had to go behind their coaches' backs. Coaches would forbid their athletes from lifting weights. And right. we got a wonderful yeah. story about athletes that would come to Jack and they, Jack would give them a key to his gym so that they could come in after hours overnight even and sneak yeah. in the gym to work out so their coaches wouldn't know jack right. was the first to work with athletes in weight training yeah. the first to work with women in the weight training the first to work with the disabled in weight training and he you know he was he was just completely open to everybody coming in he was so inclusive uh to his population he wanted everybody it was like that was his message and, and gospel to the world to share and uh and he shared it with a passion and a vigor like we have not seen since and i'm not sure ever will yeah wow. that's really good so who are some of the people that you've had the opportunity to interview i know uh jack's meant a lot to a lot of people a lot of icons mm -hmm. yeah you know i've been so fortunate to talk to celebrities uh in the hollywood community and you will see all the ones uh, everything from Clint Eastwood, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Lou Ferrigno was the very first interview I did. Lou was, I don't know if some of you may not remember Lou Ferrigno, I know you will, but yeah. a lot of the younger trainers may not, but he was the original Incredible Hulk, yeah. <laughs> the original green guy, yeah. uh, but he was also a wonderful bodybuilder and did a lot of one-on-one -on -one competitions with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. They would stand side by side and, and Lou is just a massive Hulk of a man. Um, and he was uh, the first interview I did for the book. He actually, his interview became the forward for our book. Jack and Lou were very good friends. And um, uh, originally we were going to have Arnold do the forward. But when I learned and got to know Lou a little bit better, I just learned of their connection, Jack and Lou's connection. And so we wanted to honor Jack through Lou by having him do the forward. Wow, that is yeah. just so awesome. Yeah, I, I love Lou Ferrigno. I was rooting for him in the 90s when he was making his comeback in bodybuilding. Yep. I, yep. I thought he was going to beat out Dorian Yates at the time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Lou Ferrigno has always been an inspiration to me. And yes. I know he's got a book as well. It talks about his childhood and overcoming. And of course, uh, you know, many people mimic Arnold and Lou's voice, you know, thinking that that's the, 
I mean, one is Austrian and one was uh, mostly deaf, you know, so of course <laughs> exactly. interesting voices, but that was always the, the oh, dumb guy voice, you know, for weightlifting <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, anyway, that's just how people go, right? Right. Sometimes. Um, so more about your journey, more about your journey, you know, because, uh, you know, over the years it's evolved, you know, you, you got into authoring books and now you're a publisher. Uh, you've seen training change a lot to the point yes. to where now you yourself is you're even a ninja warrior, uh, you know, so, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, of course, some of the ways that, you know, it's evolved for you over the years and, uh, sure. and you had to change. Well, well back in the day um, when I started my uh, business, uh, the industry as a whole would talk about separating weight training from cardiovascular training. It's like you don't do them together, you know, do one or other one or the other, but not both at the same time. And that instinctively didn't make sense to me from the, what I'd learned from Jack, from what I'd learned from my own personal experience. I was a wrestler and a judoka. Um, so I did things that were metabolic mm -hmm. resistance training, you know, is what we call it now with cardio and weight training together. I mean, that's how you basically, when you're in a wrestling or a judo match, you are strength training against, you know, a resistance in a high cardiovascular setting. Right. So right. That just made sense to me to train that way for the total whole body. Mm -hmm. And um, so I never bought into what the industry was saying. Um, and as the industry evolved, it was, I, you know, and I, I don't mean this to be in an arrogant way, but it's like, see, I told you I was right. I did. I couldn't do the scientific experience uh, uh, experiments behind it, but instinctively, I just knew that that was right. And then now the research with the high intensity interval training, metabolic resistance training, being able to combine the two is the best way to train. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so the industry has, that's what I have seen it evolve over the, the course of, of my time in it over the last 40 years. Um, you know, there might, be also, some there, there might be some listening that uh, need just a little information with that. So, uh, you know, Greg started at a time where, oh, I'm sure that butter was bad and so were eggs. Eggs, and, yep. Uh, yeah, yep. And, and also, totally. you know, don't lift weights too much. It'll, it'll hurt your sports performance. And as you said, cardio and yes. strength were supposed to be separate. And what he was doing back then uh, that he calls metabolic training or HIT training, high intensity mm -hmm. interval mm -hmm. training, uh, is something that science was recommending against at the time, right. but later came out with things like EPOC, excess post-exercise yep. oxygen, oxygen consumption, consumption. that said mm -hmm. your metabolism will be raised for 36 hours by doing this type of training, you'll burn right. more fat, you'll, it's better for you overall. So again, uh, you know, like you said, not to be arrogant, but to be a visionary, to to see uh, something that uh, very few or no one is doing and say, mm -hmm. you know what, I think this is the way to go and I'm going to trust my gut yeah. and have science later agree with you. I, I just think that's awesome. So I just want, yeah. for those that are just tuning in and maybe you're just, uh, you know, typically working out in the gym, but you don't have all that certification and science background. I mean, these are the things that Greg's talking about. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and it's because I learned it also from Jack. Jack, again, some of this material that we're going to publish that hasn't been published it's that, you know, he would train in about 30 second cycles, rest no more than 15 seconds in between. Do, I mean, he was on the, on the go. And that just is like, that makes so much sense, yeah. you know? And then now over the course of time, all the research has come back 
and and proven that to be the case you know from a total overall if you're going to be a bodybuilder probably not the best way to train but i'm saying for just general health which is what i i it's about longevity living well with a high quality of life you know you, unfortunately a lot of people can live a very long time in a very poor state of health mm -hmm. because of medicine you know that's not that's not the goal is to live without medicine in a very uh, high state of vitality. Yeah. And so that's what I've always wanted to research. And you had mentioned the Ninja Warriors. Yeah, and the yeah, story yeah. behind that is that we um, did a book, Kelly Watson and I are partners in Scripture Publishing Group. The business came about because of our mutual friend, Todd Durkin. Mm -hmm. He came to me at one point, um, I don't know, seven, several years ago now, probably seven, eight years ago, and said, Greg, this is the time I'd probably written eight to 10 books. He says, Greg, clearly you have a very systematic process to what you do. He said, uh, would you just write what that process is so that I can see it? And I did and gave it to him. And he looked at it and said, now, would you fill in those little gaps that you did? I, I wrote seven things that I did to write a book. And he said, now fill in each of those seven items and make it a little bit longer. Give me details on that. And then he said, this right here is a business. Our industry is starving for a service like this. I want you to start helping the industry. And I'm like, Todd, I've already got two full-time jobs. I don't need a third. I'm not, you know, I was in no way looking to start another business. Yes, right. That, he that kept book, pushing, yeah. I was going to say that book became uh, Seven Steps to Writing a Book, or is that... Exactly. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. And, and that literally was just seven written sentences. Here's what I do. Boom, 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 boom. Now, fill in the blanks of those seven things. And yeah. basically, that turned into a book. But that was all inspired by Todd saying, the industry needs what you're doing. Kelly and I, um, before we started Scripter, did, a, in, did an industry survey. We found that over nine out of 10 fitness business owners wanted to write a book. They just had no clue where to begin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was at that point that the light bulb went on and Kelly and I said, Todd was right again. <laughs> you know, Todd is, is true as a true visionary. He saw what I didn't see, what Kelly didn't see, but he brought the two of us together because we each have strengths that help the other's weaknesses. And it was about as perfect a business partnership as you could ever hope for. And uh, we had over 80 authors under contract before we had a website. That's wow. how hungry the industry was for what we did. Yeah. Wow. And, and not, and not just the industry, too. You know, I mean, there's a saying that everybody has a book in them. And I yes. know you surveyed the industry, but yep. I wonder how many people listening would love to you know, write a book, regardless of if you're a fitness business owner or not. Yeah. Well, um, let me, let me, let me give a dot, dot, dot after that, what you just said there, because I can tell you um, when we started, we thought we were going to be a fitness publishing business mm -hmm. over the course of uh, the, the, now we're in our sixth year of, of the publishing business. Um, over the course of time, our fitness authors has drastically decreased and the other non-fitness has really taken over the business. During COVID, we published 21 books. Wow. One of them was a fitness book. Only one. 
won. We have broken into the Olympic athlete market. We have broken into the ninja warrior market. I'll, I'll elaborate on that because that's how I got involved, but there's some research behind that from a longevity standpoint too. We have broken into the financial um, retirement industry, into the uh, self-improvement, self-help books, um, into real estate books. Um, so we are a I mean, we still work with some fitness authors, but we are not a fitness publishing company anymore. Um, we are for any, anybody, yeah, a whole lot of diversity, but kind of backtracking to the fitness or to the Ninja Warrior story. Um, Daniel Gill was our first American Ninja Warrior author. He did a kid's book called The Little Ninja. Now, Daniel Gill actually won the season two years ago. Pre uh, the pre COVID, or I'm sorry, the COVID year, um, when he was the grand champion, uh, he was our first Ninja Warrior. Now we've had a half a dozen or more Ninja Warriors, so we're really big in that space. When I saw them training and what they did, I thought, boy, that looks like when I was a little kid swinging on monkey bars. Man, I want to do that again. But will my old body? You know, because you're swinging on some bars for like two hours at a time, going right. up and down and running and jumping, all that stuff. And I found that my body handled it pretty well. And, and over my little over two years of training, um, I've progressed pretty well. But there's some research longevity. And if, if those of you that are interested in longevity, um, my average client has been with me for over 30 years. I'm in the 30-year business you know, with a client, not the 30-day business. Um, so my, my business model is that of when you come to me, you come to me for the rest of your life, <laughs> you know, because fitness is a journey. It's not a destination. You yes. never get there. Right. And so um, I, I'm always looking for research that talks about longevity. How can we live long well? Mm-hmm. And one of the single most important um, correlations of longevity, believe it or not, is grip strength. Wow. wow. Interesting. And at some point in time, if you want to do some research, just put in a search engine, grip strength and longevity. Wow. That is very interesting. And, and so as I started doing all that, because I do grip strength stuff with all of my clients and American Ninja Warrior has some crazy grips, vertical grips, horizontal grips, all kinds of weird grip things. Now, I've got some calluses on my hands from the training, but I mean, I can grip on some things pretty tight. And so I'm having a blast. I'm having the time of my life. It's an amazing workout, but I'm also doing something that will benefit that is a direct correlation of of longevity, healthy longevity. I don't want to, my goal, you know, I'm 61 years old in in two weeks. I'll be 61. I'm 61 years of drug-free, alcohol-free, tobacco-free. And that is my goal is to live my whole life that way. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask you, what do you think? Because, you know, uh, what do you think it is that allows you at 61 years old to do those uh, ninja things? Do you think that it's you know, of course, the alcohol, the, the drug, the tobacco free. Uh, do you think that there's other things that like if somebody that's listening right now? Says, yeah. I mean, 61 years old, maybe I'm in around that age. And do I think that I can do it or, or what is it? You know? Yeah, well, I, I would also say that um, you know, like I don't want to encourage anyone to go out and just start doing that kind of stuff, <laughs> because 
I have spent my life as an athlete in wrestling and judo and things like that, that built my body, my shoulder, you know, the, the core of the shoulders and the knees and the hips and the core. Um, I, I'm in, I've been in shape my whole life. Sure. I've really never not been in shape. So I'm not saying that you should go and swing from the ceiling for two hours if you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, having never done anything. That's one thing a lot of people get in trouble with is when they decide to get in shape in their 40s or 50s or 60s, they go all in. Don't. Yeah. Work in slowly. You know, you can do grip strength things without holding on to the ceiling and swinging and jumping 10 feet. Yeah. You know? right. So I'm, not, I'm certainly not encouraging anyone to do that. But I do encourage you to do things that will start to strengthen your grip things that will start to stabilize the shoulders so that you can take baby steps toward, toward progressing to things that you might have fun doing. I mean, yeah. it literally is, I'm like a 61 year old kid playing on a swing set and a monkey bar, yeah. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, for yeah. hours at a time. Last night yeah. I climbed a 60 foot rope for just for fun. Yeah. Wow. We got to, we got to talk crazy. about that rope. Training. Yeah. I'll drop a little bit more <clears throat> trainer knowledge just in, into this uh, yes. for those that are listening, because what Greg was talking about is progressing to a point, you know, we have to, we have to be stable before we can be mobile. Yes. If, you can, uh, if you don't have good posture, you can't balance and we're not going to work on a movement pattern. And then that movement pattern has to go through a full range of motion before you could load it. And then once you can load it, you can worry about performance so if this interests you, if Greg's story inspires you that maybe you could be a, a ninja warrior at 61 years old, you could, but there's some prerequisites you have to meet right here. Right? All here before you walk. All before you walk. Yeah, so I was, so last year on your mm -hmm. 60th, mm -hmm. um, you did quite a little obstacle course, a Ninja Warrior obstacle course that was amazing that we tuned in for. Um, and you talking about the calluses just a few minutes ago. I saw your hands pretty tore up and bleeding. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how does he get back up there? It was amazing. It was like, oh, I just, you. you're nice. Well, oh see, my gosh. Again, once again, this is all inspired by Jack. Truly, these things, when I was 40, turning 40, I came out of retirement and won a state championship in judo. When I turned 50, I flipped a 450 pound tractor tire 50 times to raise money for our children's hospital. And when I turned 60, I did 60 American Ninja Warrior um, uh, events, you know, to just to show that 60 is not old, right? Yeah. So uh, those are all things that I was encouraged by Jack to do because for his he did some amazing, you talk about amazing. Oh, yeah. If you're not familiar with Jack, I'm going to encourage people to go and look at his feats of strength when he was 40, when he was 50, when he was 60, um, when he was 60 years old, he swam handcuffed a mile and a half uh, in the San Francisco Bay. When he was 70, he did it handcuffed, shackled and pulling 70 boats with 70 people. Guys, this sounds crazy. But it's true. He really did that. When he was turning 80, he was going to do it again. And Elaine said, if you do, I'll divorce you. Yeah. <laughs> so she put her foot down. But, but, you know, again, age is just uh, so much of it is a state of mind. And as long as we keep our mind engaged in what excites us. And, and I truly say this. I've been in the industry for 40 years. Uh, and I, I know you've heard me say this, Travis, because a lot of people talk about burnout. And burnout is something. 
something that doesn't exist in my mind. It doesn't exist in my vocabulary. When I talk to mentees that I've worked with over the years and they mention that word, the first thing I say is don't ever say that in my presence again, because if you start to say it and think it, it will become something that you can allow to happen. Burnout can't exist in what we do because what we do is so amazing. Yeah. So exciting and life transforming. Yeah. Not only for us, but for the people that we can get in touch with. Really good. So, so, you know, I wake up every day and I truly do with that. And I've gone through the course of, I wrote a a book called Mind Over Matter, Mindset Over Matter. And the first chapter is talking about framing your day. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that if you can start your day with a smile and it took a while to kind of get in the front. When I wake up in the morning and 99.9% of the time without my alarm, and I'm a, you know, I know you guys are early risers too. And you get up at crazy early times, but I get up between three and three 30 every day before my alarm. And I, the first thing I do is smile Yeah. because when you smile, it changes the chemistry in your brain. Yes. And the last thing I do before I close my eyes and go to sleep, I smile. So if you can frame your day with smiles on either end, you know, we're reacting a lot of the rest of the time, but we have control over the first thing we do in the morning and the last thing we do at night. Wow. And, and so it's just framing your day and it makes the rest of the day pretty darn good. Well, there's so many great things being shared. I, I don't want anyone to miss out, you know, framing your day, the most important times of your day, you know, starting and ending your day. Uh, motion changes emotion. Uh, that's just super important. Uh, the language that you allow yourself to speak, yes. you know, people think that emotions come to them, they go to emotions by the language. And if you allow burnout in your language, uh, you know, you will find what you look for. If you're looking for burnout, you can find it. Uh, or if it's not allowed in your language, and you won't find it. Uh, these are just great things. I, I hope all the listeners are picking that up. Uh, something I didn't want to uh, miss is you said grip strength. Uh, so connected to longevity. Mm-hmm. Greg, if somebody's listening to this right now and they said, well, how can I start to work on my grip strength? I want to live longer. Where would you recommend that they begin? Well, you know, they have these stress balls that you can start with, you know, just squeezing, right? Mm -hmm. They have the little uh, spring held things that you can work on. You Mm -hmm. can just focus on when you're doing your strength training, doing some squeezing exercises, um, Back in the day on the old universal machines, remember those grip machines that you would, Yeah. I, I still have one of those original ones from Jack <laughs> that you can, that you can uh, do, but just anything that makes you squeeze, even if it's wet without anything, you can just open and squeeze tight and functionally it will help you unscrew lids, you know, on jars and, and um, rope climbing is wonderful. I, I will tell you what, one business that we, I know, you know, I'm part of a company called Endless Rope. Well, yeah, I was about to ask you, what are you most excited about? What are you working on these days? So let's talk about it. That excites me about as much as anything. And I'm just so thrilled to be part of a company called Endless Rope. It's the original Endless Rope product, and it has variable resistance. So it'll go from as little as two pounds of resistance. But think about it. Every time you climb and pull, you're having to grip. So I'm working that grip strength. I'm also working the shoulders and lats and core, and there's all kinds of different movements you can do on it, but it'll go from as little as two pounds of resistance all the way up to supporting your entire body weight. Wow. And so you can incrementally get stronger with your grip, just Mm -hmm. 
you know, day over day or week over week by just turning the hydraulic uh, knob to make it a little bit more resistance with each pull. So it's grip strength, it's cardio, it's, you know. Res it's re strength training as well. Right, right. Yeah. What's your goal with endless ropes? Well, endless rope, again, I was so excited because I, I believed in the product so much. And I'm a very decisive person. I think in business, you have to be. I went down to shoot an infomercial in Houston. I'm friends with the CEO. Before I came back to Kansas City, I owned part of the company. I fell in love with it immediately. I knew it was something that could help the masses. And I told him I want it in and I want it in now. And he obliged. And um, so I'm, I'm a part of endless rope. Uh, the ultimate goal is to scale and to share it with the world. We're going to have it in every gym in the United States before we move on to Europe and China. And uh, I just truly believe in the mission um, and I believe in the product. And, you know, I just can't say enough good things about the product and the founders um, of, the, of the company who live in Wasilla, Alaska. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, we've been on the we've been on the journey uh, with you, no pun intended. We've been on the journey with you from from being fired to you know going back to school to to taking your dream job to starting AYC and uh, you know training when the training didn't exist and, and you know from being an author to helping other people uh, write books to now being a publisher uh, to you know, at the ripe age of 61, being a ninja warrior. Uh, you know, Greg, I, I feel like you know. You've had a lot of success in your life and, and you know, you're, you're very, uh, one of the things I admire about you too is uh, just how consistent you've been. Um, if you could, uh, you know, I mean, cause I feel like, you know, consistency is where it's at, right? Yes, you know, I mean, you, you have some values that you stick to and, and they really help you through life. Um, but what would you say to our listeners uh, right now? You know, what are, what are some of the most important keys to success if you'd give a few? Well, I will tell you that the single most important thing is your PhD. PhD? Yeah, pig-headed determination. <laughs> I was going to say, not everybody's going to be a doctor. Okay. <laughs> so I got my undergraduate degree. I got my master's degree. And when I went in business, brother, I got my PhD because I had a vision. I knew what I was working toward. And that PhD, which is pig-headed determination, is what gets you through those, what you think might be obstacles, but truly like Ryan Holiday says, the obstacle is the way. Yeah. yeah. And, and by being able not to stop when an obstacle comes, but to be able to manipulate and figure your way around that obstacle. You know, my first business mentor told me, he said, Greg, the one piece of advice I'm going to give you is that I need you to understand that you're at a great age to fail. <laughs> he said good. if this doesn't work out you're only 24 years old you'll have the rest of your life to figure it out so you know i always kept that in the back of my mind a, a very popular um radio dj here in kansas city told me in my very first radio interview he said greg this idea will never work in kansas city he said it's much too conservative of a market move to los angeles move to new york it's never going to work here so you know, you keep those things in your mind. And that's where that PhD comes in. Pig-headed determination. In that's, fact, something that we didn't touch on today with your business, another way that you've been a visionary and the way that you've impacted our industry mm -hmm. is you were doing corporate wellness before yeah. corporate wellness was a thing. Um, Truly, back, back in the early 80s. Yeah, back I read your yeah. book and then shared your book on corporate wellness. And mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, I don't know if you just wanted to, you know, along the lines of your pig-headed determination, yeah. I, I think that if you could just share a little bit about that. Sure. Well, when I when I moved back to Kansas City after getting my graduate degree and starting my um, my personal training business, not a lot of revenue was coming in because again, not only was I starting a new business, I was starting a new industry, right? <laughs> right. And so it's like people, like my wife said, people are going to pay you for that. <laughs> so, you know, literally, are you familiar with a guy named Chet Holmes, the no. ultimate sales machine? Okay. No. A book, a book called the ultimate sales machine, uh, machine, very impactful in my life. What he taught me in that book was that when you get that one best client, you'll be amazed at how many more best clients will follow because they hang around in the same group. Sure. They they talk about things that they like. And that happened to me. Um, I got my very first best client. And um, actually, if people want to go on my social media page, on my Facebook page or Instagram, which is Greg Justice, I just posted a picture over the weekend of the of my client, my very first client's home. It is a true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a castle. I saw it, the castle. Yeah. yeah. I saw it. yeah. yeah. So she, she was my very first best client. Wow. And yeah. what happened is that she had a lot of friends that needed me too. Yeah. You know, Greg, you, you, because you're talking about the clients right now, and you mentioned earlier that you've had them for 30 years, we have fitness business owners and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fitness coaches listening to this call. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you give us some secrets to that kind of retention? Well, I mean, it's so simple to me. It's like treat these people like you would treat your mom when you're trying to help her live long well. Mm-hmm. You know, treat them like family. Yeah. Don't treat them like gold. Treat them like platinum. You know, treat them like you care. It's not that hard if you care. Right, right, <laughs> and, right. and, and I think that's so much of what it is that um, I've never been in the lose 30 pounds in 30 days business. Right. I'm in the 30 year business. I want you for at least 30 years. And then after 30 years, maybe we can talk. (laughs) (laughs) And I jokingly told in the early days, I told my clients, you can't leave before all my kids are through college. (laughs) You know, because you got to help me pay the way. And so my kids are all well, well beyond college. But um, uh, again, it's just treating them like family and treating them like you really care. And, you know, I know you guys are doing an amazing job with that. And, and, and that it really is, there's, it's not a secret. It's treat, it's the golden rule for goodness sake, (laughs) you know? Yeah, we, we do, but we could always do better. And, and, you know, I, I really respect and admire the the length of uh, relationship that you've had with your clients. Uh, We do a lot to get together outside of our gym with our people and and just let them know that they are family to us and that we really do care. Uh, That being said, I know that there are people that have lived longer, fuller lives because of how long they were able to stay with you on the journey because success is in the routine. And so it's not just as we ask a question like that, a retention for a gym owner, what it really is, is this longevity and long life uh, and full life for that person that you're able to keep that relationship with and, and continue to help them work on their health. So the, the corporate, uh, there, you know, we wrote the book on corporate wellness and all that, um, could you just share a little bit about how that evolved? You know? Once again, another coincidence, right? So when I came back from my graduate work, I took a full-time job as a corporate wellness supervisor. I immediately had 64 clients, corporate clients, 
that I was responsible for. So at the same time, I had started my personal training business. Again, I didn't have much money coming in from personal training because I, you know, I was picking them up one at a time. Well, about two years into it, I got to the point where I was working two full-time jobs and then some. And my wife came to me and said, Greg, if you want to be part of the family, choose one, either the corporate route or your own personal training business. She said, I don't care which one you do, choose one. Mm -hmm. And so I was at a crossroads where do I go the safe corporate route where I get my 401k, I've got you know, a salary I don't have to worry about, or do I want to do this crazy thing that I've started building up and it's going pretty well, but there's no guarantee. And yeah. of course, it was an easy choice for me, get rid of security right down that road. So I left the corporate job, really went full force into the personal training business. And I started getting calls from those corporations that I'd worked with previously. Mm-hmm. And it's like light bulb goes on, I'll start a corporate division in my personal training business. Right. The next thing I know, I become kind of the corporate wellness authority in the personal training industry. And people from all over the country are calling me to get ideas. I'm like, well, it's simple. Here's my system. Then I wrote a book (laughs) about my system. So, And the name of that book is Corporate Wellness. Yeah, uh, lies and myths about corporate wellness. Lies and myths yes. about corporate wellness. And then we created a certifying body called the National Corporate Fitness Institute, which we just recently sold. And that was because, you know, too much on my plate when I brought Endless Rope into the fold, I mm-hmm. sold the National Corporate Fitness Institute. Okay, well, congratulations on building something that can uh, continue on and be sold like that. Um, and so uh, what's the name of the Jack LaLanne book going to be? Pride and Discipline, The Legacy of Jack LaLanne. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. So, uh, Greg, you know, I, I hope that everybody learns from today that they can go out and uh, get their PhD, PhD. <laughs> uh, whatever <laughs> dream they're pursuing, and that they can choose that the path is the obstacle. Yes. Um, it may not just be the secure path, uh, as you've shown us. Um, what You know, there's people that uh, may want to, get in touch with you about writing a book. There's people yes. that, you know, who knows, maybe they need to follow wherever you sold that corporate company to, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some other, what's the best way to follow you, get in touch, learn from you. Uh, well, on Facebook, it is just Greg justice one okay. on Instagram. It's Greg justice one, uh, for publishing at scriptor publishing group. And, uh, that's the Latin word. Scriptor is the Latin word for writer author. So that's where uh, Scriptor comes comes in. Uh, that's awesome. Well, yes. thank you so much for being so generous with your time today and all that you shared with us and our audience. Thank you well, so much. Thank you for uh, having me as a guest. Thanks. I, I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Overcomers Podcast sponsored by Journey 333. When I am not hosting the Overcomers Podcast, I am working at one of our fitness franchises so that I can continue to help people overcome adversity on a daily basis. That's right. People come to the Journey 333 fitness franchises because they want a coach in their life. They want somebody to help them overcome the adversities of life, motivate them to higher levels of greatness, bring out their potential, help them lose weight, get off medications, fight depression, fight anxiety. That's what we do on a regular basis. If you feel like you want your life to be about helping more people to overcome their adversities, if you feel like you're an overcomer and you want to create more overcomers, then maybe owning a Journey 333 franchise would be for you. To find out more, 
go to www.journeyfitness333.com.